0: Well, good morning on this Wednesday in the eighth week of Ordinary Time. I think I said eighth week of Easter yesterday morning. And uh, joyously, we, we remain in the afterglow of Easter the entire year. But it is, in fact, Ordinary Time, hence the vestments in green. And uh, per, point of note, uh, Philip Neary, the saint whose life we celebrate today, these are known as Philip Neary vestments. Now, I don't know if he has something to do with their design, but this particular cut of cloth is known as a Philip Neary series of vestments, so beautiful for us. Two beautiful readings today, The Wisdom of Sirach, which we can never tire of, and The Teaching from Our Lord, which guides our everyday. In the early 90s, it was a series of very popular books published mainly for the audience of uh, those who read business journals, business articles around management, management theory, leadership. And there were books on servant leadership, books on servant leadership and what what that would mean. What's a servant leader? How does a servant leader behave? How does he or she guide their organization? And uh, one of the great speakers of that time said, well, here's how I make decisions. I gather facts, I sprinkle them with empathy, and I'm decisive. I make a decision and move forward. But it's done with great humility. It's done with great humility. It's done on bended knee. I don't assume that I know the full context of the situation I'm in. I don't assume that I have the truest insight to what needs to be done and I don't assume that necessarily depending on the topic that I'm the authority that should speak on it. Now there are positions of responsibility in all organizations, in our homes, in in faith communities, in, in our organizations that we belong to, our employment. There are positions of government, there are positions of responsibility and with that position comes an an accountability for how the organization is served. That's true. But a servant leader, our Lord is teaching us today, is one of humility and not one who assumes a place of prominence just by their nature of being, just by their state of, of being. It's interesting today, when we look so beautifully at the words from Mark, we're in the 10th chapter of Mark, and they're on their way to Jerusalem, we're told, in Mark's detail. It's important for us to understand the the, the, the moments. Uh, It looks like our Lord is walking ahead. He's a leader walking ahead. He gives us that detail. They were on their way going up to Jerusalem, going up meaning because the city of Jerusalem sits uh, about 500, 600 feet above the, the Galilean plains. And Jesus went ahead of them. They were amazed. Those who followed were afraid. Taking the 12 aside again, he began to tell them what was going to happen. And he tells them that, doesn't he? He tells us this is going to happen. Before the events of the Passion and Crucifixion and Resurrection happen, he says this is what will happen, so that when it happens, they have an understanding of the moment in time. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, And they'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him. They will spit upon him. They will scourge him. They will put him to death. And after three days, he will rise. Full stop. The very next insight we have from Mark is this. After three days, the Lord will rise. Let that sink in. Then, Mark tells us, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and you almost want to do a head slap, were you not listening to what I just said? I just said I'm going to be crucified, I will die, and I will rise, and your next moment of thought, the next thought process that occupies your minds is what can I do for you? It isn't that us in ways. Isn't that us? We find ourselves in, the, in that same proximate mental space of James and John, who are obviously servants of the Lord and servants of the people, they've given up their vocations, they've given up their lives, they've given up their materiality, their claim on security, they've given all that up to follow him. They're probably in the second year, I'm guessing, of our Lord's ministry, perhaps the third year, we we, we don't know exactly. And he's teaching them something very dramatic, that he will rise from the dead. But their their thoughts are occupied with the here and now. What do you wish me to do, our Lord asked them. They answered him, grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Isn't that fascinating? These are humble servants, authentic men. But they're trying to, He's just told them about what will happen. They apparently believe in that glory because they're trying to secure their place in it. Now there's, there's some beauty in that. There is some beauty in that. They're trying to secure their place in that eternal promise. But at the same time, they're advancing their own cause ahead of their other 10 brothers in the faith. And so that's quite interesting that that would happen. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him with confidence, we can. We can do this, not knowing exactly what would happen. And Jesus said to them, that cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now, of course, the natural event, this happens in our families, this happens in our parish family, this happens in organizations and society at large. When the the ten heard this, they became indignant of James and John. Of course they did. Because these two men, men of service, are now asking to be advanced ahead of their brothers in the faith, in their place in the kingdom. And of course that's perturbing to the others. So what do we do with today's guidance? First, we look at Sirach and his wisdom. He's reminding us again and again and again of the majesty, the omniscience of God. God creates all of us, God creates all things, God's will be done in all ways. God's will be done in all ways. And we begin and end each day in that recognition of God God, we are not God. God is God, and the will of the world is under God's domain and under God's guidance and under God's control. All things, all things. And in our passages from Mark today, our Lord gives us this teaching. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. And it is that call to service each day that we're invited. In that call to service... It's hard because we're asked to give up some securities. We're asked to give up control, which for many of us is hard to do. It's hard to give up control, especially if we actually do have talents and insights and we think they're of merit, and we're asked to suspend some of those um, merits of insight or merits of experience and follow in a different way. That's very, that's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Peter, we know that. His, His crucifixion is foretold, you will stretch out your hands, you'll stretch out your arms. When you were young, you governed your own way, but now you will be steered another. Peter had to surrender himself in faithfulness to be crucified in following our Lord, die in the faith. And for for many of us, there's a, a small crucifixion we experience each day, not in the drama of our Lord's Passion, but in the crucifixion of self, where we have to suspend our own assumed knowledge, our own assumed insight, our own assumed wisdom, our own assumed experience, and allow other ideas to be promoted. That's service, and it's hard. It's hard. And it's especially hard for those who do, in fact, have considerable experience. But those are the ones called into servant leadership. That experience allows them to be humble, allows them to appreciate a greater context allows them to see a greater good beyond themselves. And unlike James and John, not try to seek advancement of their self, that's normal, but to suspend that and ask instead the Lord, Lord, you've just told us this dramatic story of your passion, of your resurrection. The next logical question would be then and should be for us, how do I best serve you? Show me that, Lord. God bless.